President Biden wants all adults vaccine eligible by April 19th. The progress we've made on vaccinating this country is a great American story. Racing to put shots in arms before infection rates spike again as fresh COVID variants that are more easily transmitted and possibly more harmful once caught spread throughout the U.S. I will always give you it straight, straight from the shoulder. Our work is far from over. We could still see a setback in the vaccination program. And Deerfield-based Walgreens is aiming to fix its vaccine scheduler. Cranes reporter Ali Moradi joins the conversation this episode to talk about the pharmacy giant's vaccine efforts and more. They had to cancel a batch of second dose appointments because they got the Moderna vaccine instead of the Pfizer, which is what this group of consumers needed. So that just left, you know, these customers scrambling, like, how am I going to get a second appointment? What do I do now? I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist for Wednesday, April 7th. When it comes to a professional like your doctor or lawyer, you want someone who knows you well. Wintrust believes you should have the same relationship with your banker, someone you can call directly and know they'll understand your concerns. Thousands of local business owners called their Wintrust banker when they needed Paycheck Protection Program loans. They called, Wintrust answered, and helped more than 11,000 local businesses secure funding. Learn more at Wintrust.com slash Daily Gist. Member FDIC. I'm joined now by Cranes reporter Ali Moradi here to talk about Walgreens. So, okay, Walgreens is changing its vaccine scheduler. What's going on with that? So apparently when they first rolled out their scheduler, they were scheduling all second doses four weeks apart, which is the time frame that's recommended for Moderna's vaccine. However, the CDC recommends that the Pfizer vaccine have a three-week gap between shots. So there was some customer confusion with this. The CDC reached out to Walgreens, and now Walgreens is switching up their system so that it's not an autom- automatic four-week schedule, but rather the three-week gap. And what kind of timeline is that change going to be? They said it's going to be sometime this week. I'm not exactly sure which day. It seems like it's coming in pretty short order. And overall, kind of taking a look at, at Walgreens that has been, you know, the company has been so involved in the in the vaccine rollout effort around the country. What's, you know, how are they tracking and how, how are things going for them generally? So they said last week during their earnings call that they've given 8 million COVID vaccines in the U.S., and, and that includes half of those were just in the month of March. So you can kind of see how quickly everything's ramping up there. But Walgreens was one of the first vaccine or pharmacy partners to work with the government to go into long-term care facilities and start inoculating residents and workers there. So that's included in that number. And it's interesting because, you know, when a lot of this was happening, we all sort of wondered, what are Walgreens and CVS and other pharmacies that are working with the federal government on this going to get out of it, right? Because as a consumer, you're not paying for your shot. But it's looking like it's going to work out pretty well for Walgreens so far. And one of the biggest reasons is because they're getting that foot traffic. And any retailer wants that right now. Um, a year after you know the pandemic kicked in and everybody got so into shopping online, So Walgreens actually reported that pharmacy sales were up 3% in their second quarter over the year ago period. So in terms of the schedule change that they're doing, what is the recommendation from Pfizer? And is this is this only in the U.S. or is this, uh, you know, is this are other countries following this, too? So with Pfizer and Moderna, they both did their trials on basically what is recommended by the CDC. So Pfizer's vaccines with the three weeks or the 21 days apart, 
that's what they use during the clinical trial. And Moderna's two-dose vaccine is 28 days. Now, the CDC says shots can be scheduled up to six weeks apart. And in fact, other parts of the world are scheduling theirs in different ways. Um, In the UK, for example, they've totally delayed second vaccine doses to get more first shots into arms. And if you look at the data, that seems to be working well. Um, But public health officials in the US have continued to recommend that the two doses be administered based on the timeline that was used during clinical trials. And a lot of that was just because, you know, we don't, we only know what they tested. Um, Some, some argue that you know, it doesn't really matter, right? As long as we're getting people protected as much as we can, that that's kind of one side of the argument. But then the other one is we want to protect as best as we know how, which is what we saw in these clinical trials. So the gravity of what Walgreens was doing here, the discussion is kind of up in the air. The New York Times was the first to report on that this week. And they talked to a bunch of different health officials and, you know, they were both on different sides of the aisle, right? Some were saying this is a huge deal and some were saying it's fine. It's not that big of a deal um, just to have that one week difference. But I think for a lot of consumers, it was confusing. And Walgreens has had some other hiccups um, with their vaccine rollout as well. The Chicago Tribune reported last week that they had to cancel a batch of second dose appointments because they got the Moderna vaccine instead of the Pfizer, which is what this group of consumers needed. So that just left, you know, these customers scrambling, like, how am I going to get a second appointment? What do I do now? So you mentioned the the timing in the UK was a little bit different. How far back are those second doses being pushed? I don't think that they've started their second doses yet. I think they're just saying, let's get as many first shots into arms as we can, and then we'll consider it. I haven't been following that super closely, so I'm not exactly sure. But they're one of the only countries that are doing that. But you are seeing other countries that have spaced it out farther. I'm not exactly sure how far. Um, But it's kind of like this real world experiment that's going on, basically. And also, um, I thought it was interesting that Walgreens uh, started talking a little bit about an advertising campaign, how they had kind of delayed that, you know, because of supply issues. What's the anticipation of that? What's the expected outcome of that advertising? You know, at first, there were a lot of concerns about hesitancy, right? So you had when the vaccine rollout first started, everybody was scrambling, everybody wanted the vaccine, some people were lying about their eligibility just to get shots while you know, we went through the most vulnerable populations. And there's still a lot of those vulnerable populations that need their shots. Um, In Chicago, I was just looking at the numbers and We are at about, um, for the whole city, residents that have gotten at least one shot, about 32%. And then about 17% have had their vaccine series completed. So there's still a lot of work to do there. There's a lot of ground to cover. It's going to take a while. You know, President Biden is talking about moving up, you know, the deadline for vaccines to get done and to get into arms. But in Chicago, it's still, there's still an issue with supply. You know, the public health officials talk about it all the time and all these goals that are being set on the national level, it's their response is always, yeah, if we can get the shots, we'd love to do that. Um, But now that we're to the point where there's more vaccines coming out, I think nationally we're doing about 3 million shots a day. The Biden administration is thinking about, and experts are saying they should be thinking about 4 million shots a day. Um, you know, now we're going to start really facing some of the hesitancy from people that maybe before we didn't notice because the shots were in such short supply. And so that's where these ad campaigns come in. You get somebody like John Legend that people trust and know to come in and do your ad for you, that it might help. It might convince people if there are people that are on the fence 
should I get it? Should I not get it? I'll just wait a few months and kind of see what happens with everybody else. That might push those people over the edge. All right. Well, I'm sure we will be talking with you more on this topic soon enough. Thanks so much, Ellie. Thanks for having me. Coming up, the pandemic may have slowed travel, but it didn't slow retirements. United Airlines plans to train 5,000 pilots by 2030, and it wants half of them to be women and or people of color. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Thanks for listening to Crane's Daily Gist. Remember, we provide a daily news brief that drops right in your inbox. It's our newsletter called The Crane's Morning 10. They're the 10 stories that will fuel a smarter workday. To subscribe, visit chicagobusiness.com slash morning 10. This is The Crane's Daily Gist with Amy Guth. President Joe Biden says he wants all American adults to be eligible for a COVID vaccine by April 19th, according to a White House official, citing a target date that all but two states are already set to meet. The president is also set to announce that 150 million vaccines were administered within his first 75 days in office, keeping pace with his accelerated goal of 200 vaccines by his 100th day in office. By April 19th, every state but Oregon and Hawaii are scheduled to have opened up vaccines to everyone who isn't a minor. Those two states are currently set to meet that target by May 1st, which is Biden's previous goal for widespread eligibility. As of the end of last week, almost half of U.S. states had opened vaccination to everyone 16 and older, and that's set to rise to 36 states by the end of this week. And the White House administration has been racing to get more people vaccinated before infection rates spike again, as fresh variants of the virus that are more easily transmitted and possibly more harmful ones caught spread throughout the U.S. The head of the CDC has warned of what she described as, quote, impending doom as cases have begun to rise again, fueled in part by states lifting some or all of their public health and safety restrictions. Biden medical advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci said Tuesday that cases are increasing, but they don't yet amount to a full-on new surge. According to the CDC, more than 100 million Americans have gotten at least one dose, which is close to a third of the U.S. population. The daily rates are expected to rise further as vaccine manufacturers deliver a promised 700 million doses by the end of July, which is enough for 400 million people. Governor J.B. Pritzker has signed a controversial measure to increase pension benefits for some Chicago firefighters, despite objections from Mayor Lori Lightfoot, who says the bill will cost taxpayers $30 million a year at a time when city finances are already stressed due to the pandemic. It's the second pro-union bill the governor has signed in a week. He approved legislation Friday boosting the subjects over which the Chicago Teachers Union can bargain and strike. The bill aims to double cost-of-living adjustments for roughly 2,200 firefighters. Crane's political columnist Greg Hines has more. Uh, Amy, there's been a lot of uh, pushing and shoving between the mayor and the governor over a lot of things lately, but it really uh, it really hit the, hit the road on that. Uh, on this latest bill, which involves Chicago Fire Department pensions. Um, uh, essentially, the bill increases pensions for, uh, for certain firefighters. Uh, the governor said, hey, they're owed it, and I promised to do it. And the mayor says, hey, yeah, they didn't give me a way to pay for it. I've already got big holes in my budget, and this is going to cost another $30 million a year. Uh, this is starting to be an old song, unfortunately. Uh, there was another bill over the weekend that dealt with uh, Chicago Public School bargaining and the teachers' union. Uh, there's been differences over COVID policy, who can get vaccines uh, when. Um, unfortunately, the, these two public officials seem to disagree on all sorts of things. 
And in this particular case, it's going to be a cost. And it looks like Chicago property taxpayers are going to have to pay the bill. Another 30 million bucks a year, give or take. Marijuana tech company Philo has raised another $30 million. The company got its start two years ago, helping marijuana companies, advertisers, and publishers navigate and comply with the complexities of cannabis regulations, which vary by state. It also has a growing anonymized database of marijuana consumers that companies outside the industry use for ad targeting. Philo is one of several companies in Chicago, including Leaf Trade, that have sprung up to serve the weed business. Leaf Trade, which is a digital ordering platform for marijuana marijuana growers and retailers recently raised $5.5 million. The company was founded by advertising executive Chad Bronstein and doubled headcount since August, growing to 130 workers. The company says it'll use the money to double its engineering team and grow its operations and sales teams. Philo is based in the West Loop and also has offices in Arizona and Israel. It has raised nearly $60 million so far. JW Asset Management, a marijuana investor in New York, led the most recent investment round with Soul Global, a Toronto-based biotech company focused on cannabis. Previous backers include Chicago-based marijuana investor Salvio Capital. COVID-19 may have put the brakes on air travel, but it hasn't slowed the retirement rate of baby boomer pilots who are required by law to retire by age 65. United Airlines is moving forward with plans to hire 10,000 pilots by the end of the decade. The airline plans to train 5,000 of those pilots through a flight school that it acquired a year ago, and it wants half of them to be women, people of color, or both. At present, just under 20% of United's pilots fit those demographics. Even though air travel remains about about 50% below normal levels due to the pandemic's impact on travel. United said last week it plans to hire 300 pilots to replace the roughly 800 who retired early or took voluntary leave since the onset of the pandemic roughly a year ago. So becoming a pilot, it's a pretty expensive undertaking. It costs about $100,000 for flight school, which generally takes about a year. And then it takes another five years to get a job at a major airline as new pilots work their way through jobs as flight instructors and by flying at regional carriers. United tried to take some of the risk out of that by starting a program called Aviate, in which it recruits aspiring pilots who are about to start flight training and guarantees them an eventual job with the airline once they achieve the mandatory minimum flight time. United says it's setting aside $1.2 million for scholarships and J.P. Morgan Chase, the credit card partner of United's frequent flyer program, is also contributing another $1.2 million for students who are women or people of color. United will start taking flight school applications this week and it expects to enroll 100 students this year. And that's Crane's Daily just for now. Our continuous news feed lives at chicagobusiness.com. Thanks so much to our guest today, Crane's reporter, Ali Marathi. Be sure to subscribe to these conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to get your audio on demand. And find hashtag Crane's Daily Gist on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And let's continue talking there about these and other business stories. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll meet you right back here next time.